0: The vision of Obadiah. This is what the Lord God has said about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. A messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us go to war against her. Look, I'll make you insignificant among the nations. You will be deeply despised. Your presumptuous heart has deceived you, you who lived in clefts of the rock in your home on the heights who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. If thieves came to you, if marauders by night, how ravaged you would be. Wouldn't they steal only what they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, wouldn't they leave some grapes? How Esau will be pillaged, his hidden treasures searched out. Everyone who has a treaty with you will drive you to the border. Everyone at peace with you will deceive and conquer you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you. He will be unaware of it in that day. This is the Lord's declaration. Will I not eliminate the wise ones of Edom? and those who understand from the hill country of Esau? Teman, your warriors will be terrified, so that everyone from the hill country of Esau will be destroyed by slaughter. You will be covered with shame and destroyed forever because of violence done to your brother Jacob. On the day you stood aloof, on the day the strangers captured his wealth while his foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, You were just like one of them. Do not gloat over your brother in this day of calamity. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. Do not boastfully boastfully mock in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their disaster. Yes, you do not gloat over their misery in the day of their disaster and do not appropriate their possessions in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off their fugitives and do not hand over their survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, so it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your head. As you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all nations will drink continually. They will drink and gulp down and be as though they had never been. But there will be deliverance on Mount Zion and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will dispossess those who dispossess them. Then the house of Jacob will be a blazing fire and the house of Joseph a burning flame, but the house of Esau will be stubble. Jacob will set them on fire and consume Edom. Therefore, no survivor will remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will possess the hill country of Esau. Those from the Judean foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will possess the territories of Ephraim and Samaria, while Benjamin will possess Gilead. The exiles of the Israelites, who are in Hala, and those who, and who are among the Canaanites as far as Zerapath as well as the exiles of Jerusalem, who are in Zephath, will possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors will descend, ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's.
1: Thanks, uh, Kayleen, for reading. Uh, Can I add my welcome to that of John and everyone else. Uh, If you're here and new or if you're at home watching, my name's James, uh, and we're looking at this book of Obadiah. Uh, You know, the book of Obadiah feels a bit like the human spleen uh, to me. Uh, We've heard of it. Uh, We don't know where it is. It's small, but it does seem to... Have a function, but we don't quite know what that function is. Um, But hopefully by the end of today you'll have a bit more knowledge about it and God will teach us through it. Uh, I think perhaps the question which Obadiah answers uh, as much or more than any other book is this: Uh, Does God have enemies? Does God have enemies? That's a really confronting question, isn't it? The answer we're going to see in Obadiah is an unequivocal yes. Uh, God does have enemies, but who are these enemies and what is God going to do with them? These are some of the questions that this small book will help us with, but uh, I assure you by the end uh, there is much good news and comfort to draw from this uh, somewhat uh, angry uh, message. Now to order our thinking, uh, these are the three headings we're going to proceed through. We want to get our bearings, get some background. Edom is the main character, or one of the main characters, and John uh, has helpfully started uh, giving us some of that background. We'll do a bit of that. Uh, We'll summarise Obadiah's message, and we'll see that the main message is that Edom is going down. And then there'll be three lessons for us today. So that is the plan. Let's get straight into it. Um, Under this first heading, We're just getting our bearings. Uh, Who is Obadiah? Who is Edom? Uh, There's not much we can say about Obadiah. Uh, We're not told his family, where he's from, what time he lived. In fact, Obadiah was a pretty common name in the Old Testament. It just means servant of Yahweh. Uh, So it might be like James or John or Mark uh, in our day, a very common name. But we do know it's his message. Uh, We do know that. Verse 1, the vision of Obadiah. Um, I... A few years ago, I had a kid in scripture called Obadiah. I was like, that kid's family is definitely Christian. Um, uh, His brother was called Jeremiah. Um, uh, You don't come across too many Obadiahs. But verse 1, the vision of Obadiah, this is what the Lord God has said about Edom. So who's Edom? Well, Edom uh, is both a place and a people. So the place... Uh, you can see there the bottom right-hand side, that purple area. This is a, it was a mountainous region to the southeast of Judah. Okay, um, so Judah's in the green, Edom in the purple, one of the neighbouring nations. Um, if you've heard of Petra, uh, one of the ancient wonders of the world, or you've, maybe you've seen it in Indiana Jones, um, Petra is in Edom territory. Um, now, state the obvious, Edom... Was populated by the Edomites. Now, they were the people. And there is a backstory to that. Um, as John said, Esau, Jacob and Esau were descended from Abraham. They were twins. Um, and uh, Jacob and Esau's father was Isaac. Uh, Edom, the word, actually means red. Because you might remember, if you've read um, Genesis 25, 26, thereabouts, the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau. Um, actually sold his birthright, his, his sort of right to have the blessings of the firstborn son, he sold it to Jacob for some red lentil stew. And so he was called Edom because Edom means red. And so the Edomites are all descended from Esau. In fact, sometimes in this book, uh, the Edom will be referred to as Esau. And now the main thing to remember with this backstory is that it was Jacob and his family that were god's chosen people they became the israelites that was the the people um that god set his special love upon they were his treasured nation not because they earned any favor but god chose them uh not esau now uh what did edom do um this is the second half of our background um heading uh Well, Edom, the nation, and the Jewish nation, the Israelites, they clashed over the years throughout the Old Testament. You can read of different conflicts, including during the Exodus, when God's people were coming out of Egypt. They asked if they could go through Edom on their way to the Promised Land. The Edomites said no um, to their relatives. So there was lots of conflict. The pinnacle of the conflict, I think, is what's described here in Obadiah. Now, the event refer to, we're not we're not told specifically, but um, our best guess, based on all the evidence, is that uh, Obadiah's focusing on the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. So that's, um, if you think of the big Bible timeline, we saw this a little bit during the King series, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah, they sinned against God, God brought judgment on them by having the Babylonians come and destroy Jerusalem, and carry uh, some of the Jews off as exiles back to Babylon. Um, Now have a look at Obadiah 10, verse 10. Um, This is what Obadiah is referring to. Um, You will be covered with shame, that's Edom, and destroyed forever because of violence done to your brother Jacob. On the day you stood aloof, on the day strangers captured his wealth, While foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, what does it say? You were just like one of them. You were just like one of them. See, the Edomite people, they got involved and supported and facilitated the Babylonian conquering of Jerusalem. Um, How were they like them? Well, we read in some of the verses that follow, they... Uh, they captured Jewish people trying to escape and handed them over to the Babylonians. They looted the, the possessions of the Jews in Jerusalem. Um, they gloated and boasted and mocked the disaster and calamity that was coming upon God's people. It's repeated a lot in verse 12, 13, 14. Uh, it was an awful wicked, um, heartless response to their relatives who were being conquered by the Babylonians. Um, Now, that's what Edom did. Background, a people, a place, what did they do? They helped the Babylonians and, and gloated over the demise of their relatives, the Jews. Okay, second heading. What was Obadiah's message? When we we come to this book, it's really obvious, isn't it? This is an oracle of judgment against Edom. God is going to bring this nation down because of what they've done. Have a look with me halfway through verse 1. We have heard a message from the Lord. A messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up and let us go to war against her. Look, I will make you insignificant among the nations. You will be deeply despised. Your presumptuous heart has deceived you, you who live in clefts of the rock, in your home on the heights, who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. So Edom uh, might be in a position of strength, maybe political stability, economic prosperity, but God will avenge the mistreatment of his people. God will avenge the mistreatment of his people. And we get all this picture language um, from verse 5 onwards about the kinds of things that will happen. It'll be like thieves coming in and taking whatever they want. Other nations that were formerly Edom's allies will turn on them. The wise ones will be eliminated. The warriors will be terrified. Uh, Edom will get a taste of their own medicine. They will get what they deserve. Have a look at verse 15. The day of the Lord is near against all nations. As you have done so it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your own head. Edom will be brought down. Now, there's a second part to this message, uh, which is really important. As Edom is brought down, Edom's demise represents the vindication of Jacob, of God's people. Uh, It's it's like a seesaw. A great role reversal is coming. Have a look at verse 18. Then, when this happens, the house of Jacob uh, will be a blazing fire, and the house of Joseph a burning flame, but the house of Esau will be stubble. Jacob will set them on fire and consume Edom. People from the Negev, which is Jewish territory, they will possess the hill country of Esau. Saviours will ascend Mount Zion. That's the hill in Jerusalem where the temple was. Saviours will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau. But the kingdom will be the Lord's. Folks, the, the, the basic message of Obadiah is that God sees what Edom has done. And they won't get away with it. Um, they will be brought down. And God's people, the, one God's, the people that God has chosen, even back in the time of Jacob and Esau, God said, uh, Jacob will be blessed. Um, that will all come to fruition and God's people will be vindicated. Now, let me offer three... Uh, Lessons for how we apply this today. The minor prophets like Obadiah, they're not the first place you go to for Christian encouragement, but there's lots of things we can learn. Here's three reflections on what Obadiah teaches us today. Um, First of all, it's a really clear reminder, isn't it, of a a big theme in the Bible, that God opposes the proud. God hates the proud pride in his creatures. Even remember Jesus's words in in Luke 14, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the Edomites, they definitely exalted themselves. Go back verse 3 and 4. They they had this false sense of security based on their mountaintop strongholds. Uh, Who can bring me down? They said to themselves. Pride is that typical human failure to recognise the sovereign role and rule of God in everything. It's when we take credit for things that we haven't done, but rather God has given to us. It's when we imagine that uh, our life, even our eternity, is secure and nothing can harm us. And, and we presumptuously wave away any sense of accountability to our creator. Human pride exists in all of us. Uh, now, in the Edomites, I think we see glimpses of the type of pride that we ourselves might experience, or certainly what we might see in modern, the modern Sutherland Shire, and not strongholds of um, mountainous, uh, rocky fortresses like Petra, but strongholds like uh, a large bank balance or our health, a tertiary education, a professional job, uh, Australian citizenship, a home in Oyster Bay. Uh, it's easy, isn't it, when uh, we have these things to forget that god is god and we are not and to think that nothing can harm us that's a dangerous attitude to have pride and it lives in all of us in some measure and there is no place for it in the heart of someone that calls on christ as their lord and savior now the essence of turning back to god Uh, is to to pursue humility at all costs. Folks, uh, we must suffocate uh, any lingering sense of of pride that exists in our hearts. And we must pursue humility because God opposes the proud. A second uh, lesson, going a bit deeper here, we see in Obadiah, Uh, that it's really God's love that motivates his anger, his wrath. Um, Because in Obadiah, yes, God opposes the proud, but he especially opposes those people that mistreat his beloved Israelites, his treasured nation. The way the Edomites gloated over the fall of Jerusalem, that's what really kindled God's anger, wasn't it? See, when the Edomites messed with God's people, they were messing with God. Uh, It reminds me of what Jesus says to Saul, um, a.k.a. Paul, in, in the book of Acts. Remember Saul, the persecutor, the road to Damascus. Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's because God loves his people. And he doesn't like it when they're mistreated. So, can you begin to see how God's judgment can, in fact, be a good thing? Um, We have... Look, it's God's judgment, his wrath, can feel a bit like an embarrassing part of the Christian message. uh, uh, An outdated relic of a bygone era. Uh, But... In the Minor Prophets, we've been reminded that God's judgment can, in fact, be a good thing. Perhaps you have an acquaintance or a family member that actually sneers at you for being a Christian, finds it laughable, who says that to be a Christian is just a crutch for people that can't really handle life. Um, maybe there's a work colleague. Maybe maybe you even read Christian, uh, excuse me, progressive journalists who make fun of the church and even work to undermine Christian ministry. And we can say with Obadiah, God sees that. God sees when people oppose the gospel and his purposes, his people, and they won't get away with it. And if you draw any comfort from that, think of the comfort available to our brothers and sisters around the world who, who really suffer for the cause of Jesus. Men and women in Pakistan jailed regularly for aligning themselves with Jesus and not Muhammad. Christians in Nigeria whose bo- churches are bombed, families slaughtered. See, it's wonderful news that God will bring justice. And in fact, we are going here right into the, the very logical centre of the idea of justice. All justice, not just God's justice, all justice. Because the opposite of love is not uh, anger or or wrath. It's actually indifference. When, When there is no consequences. Imagine a God where evil wasn't dealt with, as if he didn't care. Just read this quote with me from a book called Confronting Christianity, which is on the bookstall. It's a really good book. Um, Think of your anger at the slave trade, the Holocaust and global sex trafficking. When you analyse that anger, its root is love. The more we love, the more easily our anger is kindled. We rush to defend our children from the least attack because we love them. Anyone who harms them inspires our fury. See, in God's fierce anger, we see his love, his love for his people. In fact, in just when we talk about justice at large, we see God's love for all his created people, not just his special chosen people. Yes, he loves them deeply. He will fight for them. But when we think of justice at large, it's because God loves his Creatures that he opposes, people that cause evil. That's where justice comes from. Uh, see, God loves his people deeply, and he will punish those that bring evil upon them. That is so clear in the message of Obadiah, and it's it's a message for all of us. It's a reminder. It's it's a something we need to evolve our thinking on. Now, when we think about this, it's here that the paradox of the cross ought to blow us away, of Jesus' death, because we are all in some measure God's enemies. We're all liable for putting God's chosen person on the cross. See, Jesus was the true son of Jacob, God's chosen, the, the, the true Israelite, the, the one person that, that really was God's chosen instrument. Uh, but when God poured out his anger, it was, it was on Jesus, not on us. It, Jesus died so that citizens of Edom, like us, could become citizens of heaven. It's a mind-blowing substitution. We read this in Romans 5. Maybe some of you have memorised verses like this. Romans 5, chapter 8. While we were still sinners, or in some translations, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. If if you aren't sure which category you're in, friends, whether you are one of God's enemies or one of his friends, uh, resolve today to... Work out which group you're in, and <laughs> turn to Jesus, that you might move from the category of enemy to the category of friend. Jesus makes that possible. So, a second point. Uh, let me reiterate: it's God's love that motivates His judgment. We see. Uh, Strong language in books like Obadiah and other parts of the Old Testament. Don't forget that God is good and his love brings about his justice. All right, thirdly, a third reflection. Folks, won't you learn to wait on God's timetable for justice? Wait on God's timetable for justice. Imagine the Jewish people at this time in exile. Um, Maybe they lost everything. Uh, The Edomites were gloating, but the message of Obadiah to them was that a great reversal is coming. We've all been aggrieved at times when things feel unfair. Uh, I'm sure we can point to examples uh, in our own lives of unbelievers, people that oppose God, prospering uh, while we might suffer. Perhaps you've been a hardworking employee uh, in your workplace and your colleague or your boss who, who looks down at Christians, they're the one that thrives and gets promoted. It's unfair. We Aren't we meant to be God's people? Or perhaps uh, there's children or, or parents of yours that, um, again, make it difficult for you to be involved in church, and, and yet they're, they're the ones whose life seems to be advancing, whereas yours is getting more difficult. Maybe you can point to friends uh, who who don 't follow Jesus, whose health is fantastic, yet you have been given a debilitating condition that makes your quality of life uh, very challenging. folks, a great reversal is coming uh, and wasn 't this the message on jesus 's lips in uh, the section called the Beatitudes. He says, Blessed are those who are poor, who mourn, who weep, who are hungry, uh, who are hated because of Jesus. Blessed are you now, for you will laugh. You will be well fed. Yours is the kingdom of God. And woe to those who are rich now. Woe to those who who laugh now. Woe to those Who are popular now because you will weep. You will be hungry. And these aren't just Jesus's words. This is Jesus's experience as well. Um, He was abandoned by his friends. He was was mocked and and gloated over by his relatives in the day of his distress on the cross. We know though, don't we? He was risen. Jesus died, an outcast, under judgment, but he was risen and ascended. Uh, and, the, well, the Jews, the, the Jewish nation, Jerusalem was destroyed again in AD 70. The Romans, we know what happened there. In fact, even Edom, uh, history tells us Edom was conquered by Arabs. Uh, there's no Edom in the Olympics these days. Um, these aren't just words. A great reversal is coming. So folks, learn to wait on God's timetable for justice. Uh, the call now is to live a life of, of humble obedience, countercultural values. People might uh, mock and oppose, but a great reversal is coming. Uh, Obadiah conveys that to us very clearly. God's enemies will be brought down. Uh, A horrific thought uh, if you're one of God's enemies. Uh, Pray and seek the reconciliation of those you know that aren't reconciled to God. Uh, But if you are, uh, rejoice. Rejoice uh, that God loves his people very much, so much so that he will bring down those who oppose us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book uh, that you have preserved for us in in your word, the Bible. Even though it's confronting and there's strong language, we do thank you that you're a God of love who brings justice, who promises to lift up uh, his people and bring down uh, their enemies. Father, thank you that we see that most clearly in the person of the Lord Jesus, who died and is now risen and ascended. Help us to have that same hope as him, um, and we pray for help in all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.